Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't be mean. Why do you hate babies, Mike? Five rounds in, I think I realized. Oh, wait, this is OBP? You are listening to the Commissioner's Office. Here's your host, the Fantasy Baseball Commissioner himself. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Commissioner's Office. I'm your host and the Fantasy Baseball Commish, Nathan. You can follow me at Dynasty One Stop and find info on my commissioning service at my website, linked on the Twitter account. We'll be back after this break to talk to Sleepy K about relegation redraft and his lineup tracker after this quick break. Now stepping into the commissioner's office, it's the expert of all things MLB lineups, a relegation redraft manager, host of the Bases Loaded pod, and contributor at Roto Baller and Prospects Live, who really needs to read league settings before drafting. It's the Tibbet Minute creator, who has a better mic than I do, a 2019 FSWA finalist, it's Sleepy K himself, Mike Kurland. Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh man, I love the intro, and yes... Always read your league settings. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good rule. Um, so before we dive into some other things, the obligatory first question on commissioner's office, how did you get into fantasy baseball um, to where you are now writing and producing content? Oh man, I literally, uh, okay. So I was listening to a podcast and obviously I just loved, uh, that's where I started was actually making my own podcast, but I found myself arguing and I want to say it was with Scott White, but in my head, obviously, I didn't know Scott White. I didn't know who he was. I never talked to him <laughs> at the time. But obviously, like, I, I listened to that podcast for a long time. CBS was the very first podcast I ever listened to. And I found myself just arguing or not or in my head, like, I don't agree with this. I have my own opinions. I do, I'm do. i starting to do my own research more and more. I'm branching out. I'm like, let's go ahead and just do something. So I, I up and out of nowhere, I was actually on Twitter. I created Twitter. I saw somebody's like, hey, do you, do you want, does anybody want to create a base, uh, fantasy baseball podcast? do uh no experience needed i'm like sweet right up my alley and it was actually a small site called the fsgn which is still around and mm-hmm. they got me uh, i was blake sullivan over there kind of helped me out get started in all this and it just kind of went from there i i did a first couple i did my first couple episodes by myself solo for the bases loaded podcast and then i put out a random tweet like hey anybody want to be a co-host and that's how george and zach came around i didn't know them before podcast i just put out a random tweet and obviously the more you've gotten to know me and others have i'm very much the easy to get, i'm easy going I, I like to just talk to people meet people so it is what it is it's just and it's worked out these guys we stuck together now we're going on year three 
from the podcast. Um, and eventually I was so busy trying to chase like a following, trying to make a name for myself that I realized podcasting is difficult to do that with. Like, it's hard. Like, is it like the Welsh and Bogman, like ITL? That's a hard thing to get to. Like those guys pretty much what primarily podcast, they don't write mm-hmm. and they, they're open about that. And it's so hard to make a name for yourself without writing these days. So I was like, let me get into writing. And the FSGM was again, my first ever spot. I, I started writing and then fan, uh, fan tracks where you are a part of uh, opened up. I applied one thing led to another and I'm working there for a little bit. And then I'm, I wasn't at a certain point. <laughs> and then now I'm, <laughs> now I'm at, now I'm at Roto Baller uh, prospects live gave me a shot. I'm learning how to prospect and, and do prospect reports and such. And then it's just one thing that leads to another. I just always had this grind mentality. So I'm like, well, there's, there's a lack of video like content on fantasy baseball so i'm like let me do the tidbit minute it's quick simple i thought it was like vines you know like well now this days is tiktok but vines is what i kind of was like watching those seven second videos growing up yeah and i'm like keeping stuff short is really simple to keep people drawn in so if you keep something short while giving them like what i thought was like quality content and then you know you play with video editing and you learn how to do that you bring out another piece of content so one thing, like I'm just rambling at this point, but one thing led to another where it says, I just keep pushing for more and trying to trying to find a niche, something that stands out. And then the lineup stuff, I kind of started in summer slash the short season because I'm like, well, lineups matter because at bats matter and we all want at bats every week. And then again, like you said, we've, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit, but the lineup tracker kind of became its own thing, its own monster creation this spring training. And it's been a lot of fun, but a heck of a grind. And honestly, like I said, it's all about just finding one thing after another is just, it's all it's just it's just, it's just been a grind, dude. And um, yeah, appreciate you letting me explain that. It's been a, it's a lot of me talking, so I can let you go now. <laughs> yeah. So you said you were listening to the CBS podcast. How mm-hmm. long have you been playing fantasy before you jumped into producing? Oh man, my first ever league. I started twenty ten, maybe. Okay. Twenty two thousand nine. Like I was nineteen, twenty years old, and I played fantasy football. But I've always played. I actually grew up playing baseball. I was actually not a big, not a great fan, just a, just a player, just someone who loved the game of baseball in terms of a player's standpoint. But I got to an age where I wasn't playing anymore. Um, I wanted this to be competitive in something and fantasy sports is what filled that void. And next thing you know, it's like fantasy baseball just took over. Like I've dropped almost all my fantasy football leagues. I've obviously uh, started producing content and yeah, uh, CBS, I didn't realize there was so many podcasts. Even Now there's way more, but (laughs) <laughs> Even 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I started, there was like five or six. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize there was more than one. And I would just sit there and refresh my phone every day, wait for a CBS podcast to come up, you know? Now I can't keep up with all the podcasts, especially because now I have a lot more friends that do this and now I'm a part of it. So there's like so much more to listen to, so many great voices to hear. And it's a lot of fun, but man, is it tough to keep up. Yeah, I have so many in my feed that I just struggle to get to. And I'm like, but I want to listen to you, but I don't <laughs> know when I'm going to listen to you. So, yep. I feel that. So what's your favorite format to play in? Do you prefer redraft, dynasty, roto, head-to-head, all that sort of stuff? Um, I found myself gravitating more towards redraft because that's where my content always, that's where it began. I do enjoy a good dynasty league, but redraft is just where, again, where the content began, where the playing began, and where I've found the most success early on so far, you know, I've been, I've been a solid player. I've just started dabbling in high stakes. So that might turn into my new favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, I started a little bit this year. I'm in it a little bit as well. 
it's it's just I enjoy the competition that comes with it. Not to say that your home leagues aren't great competition. It's just <laughs> I think like so, high stakes has a little bit more to it in my opinion. But I don't I hate this. I hate saying that because I feel like I'm taking away from people who don't play high stakes, which is not the case because some of my best leagues are my home leagues. Like let's be honest. But regardless, um, I'd say redraft, and I definitely am roto. But I'm I'm still torn. Like I'm I enjoy the traditional five by five because I think there's a layer of of um, strategy that goes into it more than like say OBP because this league's OBP and I think OBP is the new standard but I enjoy kind of the wrinkle of batting average being a stat still because although I think OBP is far more important in real life and in fantasy probably I just enjoy that strategy aspect of targeting certain players for that need or avoiding or, or dinging some players for, for it, it creates a separation of um of values and such same thing with saves like people like oh well we should be going to saves plus holds i like i enjoy the the, com- the competitive nature of trying to target saves in drafts and in the waiver wire it adds an element of strategy and that gets overlooked in people trying to take those self- those stats away might not be a popular opinion on those i and i and i totally get the whole obp and saves plus holds i do i really do get it i'll play in those leagues no problem i just enjoy i just enjoy and think there's a little a little something to that extra need of strategy. I think it's, it adds a little element of, of difficulty and I enjoy mm-hmm. that type of that difficulty, I should say. Yeah. I had someone recently have me create a league with saves plus holds divided by two. So you needed like two holds to equal a save. And I was like, I don't like that adjustment of saves still matter more, but we're not ignoring holds. So yeah. And, that, I and that's that before, fine too, but because I like that. I do like that as well because I actually have a league like that too. I actually do have a league that they made that change because when you do saves plus holds, it devalues relief pitching a ton because you can find mm-hmm. really good holds options at the end of your draft. So it completely changes the landscape of save of relief pitching. At least that's how I attack it. But if you do saves, at least with holds divided by two, you still have to get high end guys because you can't just ignore. Like you'll be you'll have to roster twice as many to get this, the holds you want type of thing. So there's still going to be a value to saves. However, it will boost your high-end holds, guys. So a guy like Devin Williams becomes palatable at that ADP because he might get you saves plus holds here and there, but you know he's going to get pretty much all the holds he can handle. So, yep. yeah, I think I think, that's a, I think that's a happy medium. I just, like I said, I still prefer that the strategy behind the whole targeting saves thing. I, I don't know. I find it – it's like a masochistic thing. It's like <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> like it, but you do type of thing. Like that's where I am with like I, I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to saves, targeting saves and batting average or having a draft form in leagues, I should say. Yeah. Well, speaking of batting average and that not being the setting, um, mm-hmm. we drafted the relegation leagues a while back. You're in the MLB group there. Um, so, yeah, I guess going into that – um, especially with the relegation format, were you thinking about, well, I just don't want to get relegated, so build a solid team, or were you saying, I want to win this thing? What was your approach going into the draft with that and overall draft strategy? All right, well, going into the draft, I 1,000% wanted to win it. Like That was definitely part <laughs> of the goal. And then, what was it, three, four, five rounds in, I think I realized, oh, wait, this is OBP? Don't I broke the one rule that we, myself included, preach to never do? Read the read the league settings, please. Don't be me. Um, and it's just funny because you know I play because again it goes back to just playing so many leagues. And this was actually in the middle, I think, middle towards the end of draft prep, like the draft kit stuff and 
Mm-hmm. So I was super like involved with, and there's no excuse. If I say yes to a league, I need to be better about, you know, being involved in knowing the, the league context and all that. And it became a running joke because obviously I'm in the chat. I, we have a group chat uh, on Twitter and I'm over here like, wait, this is what? Wait, this is like, <laughs> and it became a point where we we're just laughing at me because I'm like, yeah, I didn't read half of it. Like my bad. And um, so, yeah, don't be me. Don't, just don't be me. And I'm, and I'm very open about it. Most people are kind of embarrassed. It's embarrassing, but it's the truth. And so that kind of threw me off. So I, I, when I initially started, I'm looking at my team now, Garrett Cole in the first round behind DeGrom, like I still wanted, because this is, I still wanted a pitcher in the first round. I just did. But then Manny Machado in the second, I was like, all right, cool. I'm good with that. I'm looking at who went after him. I might've gone pitcher, pitcher there, to be honest. I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at what, I'm looking at how this league fell. And uh, yeah, it definitely would have been different uh, now, but whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so like I said, I initially went into it with the idea of I wanted to win now, but then because of, again, not realizing that it was OBP, a couple rounds in, I transitioned instantly to like, okay, let me not finish last. Let me let me make up some ground in OBP. <laughs> but by doing that, I kind of hurt my, I hindered my potential in terms of power and speed. So I, I, I we, we talked about the projections and my team's in the middle, is the middle of pack entering the season. And I'm okay with that because a lot of my content in season is going to be covering players in deeper formats anyway. So I should be able to make up some ground off the waiver wire one way or another. I, and I, I know there's trades in here. I won't make a lot of trades personally, but because I know there are trades, I will be able to trade myself out of a strength and into a weakness type of thing. It's going to happen. There's going to be plenty of, there's plenty of smart people in this league that are probably mm-hmm. going to be doing the same thing. So it's all about aligning uh, needs like Shelly. Shelly didn't draft a pitcher until the sixth round. I had three in my first five picks. So like, yep. if, if Sonny Gray comes back and is healthy, maybe I flip him before he re-injures himself. Or, or if Hinjin Ryu, who's my SP3, comes out and, you know, we all know Ryu's injury history is there as well. Maybe he's a guy I go to Shelly, like, hey, he's been solid. You know, not even trying to sell high, but, like, let's break even. Hey, Brandon, Brandon Lau's been solid. Hinjin Ryu's been solid. Let's let's make that mix. That's what I say. Let's flip them. You know, let's let's interchange mm-hmm. those guys because they were. I'm looking at because they went back to back in this draft for just to give an idea of why I'm saying those two names. In, yeah, as a trade option. So, and to be completely fair, I want to make something clear. Once you draft a team, it could be the next day. Just because you drafted them in the fifth round doesn't mean they're fifth round value. Just because you value them as that, <laughs> values change so often that mm-hmm. come opening day, if you re- you should not be referencing your draft day price come opening day because things change that fast. And I've played in leagues and I've been guilty of it. Oh, I drafted this guy in the sixth round and he's blah, blah, blah. But really he's been performing like an eighth rounder or, or, or heck, sometimes he's performing as a second rounder. People try to be like, well, you got him in the fifth round. He's a fifth round player. No, <laughs> I got him there because he was a value there, but he's actually, I always thought he was going to be better, but you know, that, that mindset, we, I think it's more common than people realize. But once you draft a team, forget which round you grabbed him in. And think about team construction and what you didn't team need. I think that's going to get you farther than just trying to sit here and trade based on uh, draft day value. Yeah, I've seen that in trade talks, especially in dynasties. There are people like, well, you took him here and not here. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter anymore. It's yeah, that's that's out the window. The draft is done. Move on. So, yes, definitely. So how do you feel about the roster heading into the year then? Meh. (laughs) <laughs> um like it's not bad but it's not great i mean i really like some of my players like i mentioned machado machado's not a great obp guy but if he could be 
close to what he was last year. He'll be serviceable. You know, he'll be he'll be above average. Whit Merrifield, who I was excited to get in the third round, wouldn't have been a third round pick for me in OBP because he loses that value because batting average is a strength. Not OBP is kind of mediocre. I like I said, I made up some ground with Brantley, with Josh Bell, with Adam Eaton, who I think still has a, a could have a decent year in him. So I have guys that are just going to be okay in OBP, but if if Schwarber doesn't come around and hit like he should. If Bell doesn't come around and hit like he should, and if Nelson Cruz can't stay healthy, like he's shown that he hasn't been able to do in the past, I could be in trouble with, with power and OBP. So there's a lot of potential for down for downfall here. But guys like – so as the draft went on, I decided to go ahead and target guys like Andres Jimenez, who were falling at the time, and Alex Kirilov, because these were guys that were uncertain to break camp. Kirilov is still very much a stash for me on my bench, but mm-hmm. it looks like Jimenez is going to be starting from day one. And right there – that just made up a whole bunch of steals that I was lacking on this team. I, I took a shot on upside because I built, like you mentioned, it was kind of a boring team. I think we were talking about this. It's just a boring, it's a boring team filled littered with veterans and floor types. Jimenez and Kirillov were good gambles to take on this team because I just gained a Kirillov. I mean, I, 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 sorry, I just gained a Jimenez with a Kirillov who should come in for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was, ba- that was because the offense was kind of boring because I thought I built, I thought at the time I built a really solid pitching foundation. And I, I was like, let me at least have one strength. So I thought pitching was it. You know, I have Edwin Diaz as my number one closer. I actually have three closers. I look at Holland and Melanson as the closers there, with Melanson being the most questionable in the um, in the role. But overall, I, I like the fact that I, I look at it like two closers, two and a half closers type of thing. Because if you I look at it like, hey, combine Holland and Melanson, I'm good for saves between the two. Plus, we have a waiver mm-hmm. wire in trades. I'll be I'll make it up. I think Diaz is gonna be my guy. My yeah. pitching staff with Garrett Cole, Sonny Gray, and and Hinge and Ryu were my top three. I love those guys. I have all of them in my top 24, but Gray, I was, well, this was before the injury. So Gray mm-hmm. has obviously slipped and it's a back, so it could linger. But Marcus Stroman's the guy I've been very vocal about being in on. Yeah, I, I, I got my, I, I got a share too. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's looking, he's looking great in spring, has the new pitches. Oh, he was so sharp yesterday. He's, he's a guy I'm super excited for. The only problem is, is like, I, I, I only think, and I, I'm not having a problem about Marcus Stroman. The only thing I'm upset about with this pitching staff is I didn't get Aaron Savali because I think I have him literally on every other team. And this goes back <laughs> to last year where I just had to get Aaron Savali on every team last year. This year it's the same, and I have him on pretty much every other team. So if I have one knock on my own pitching staff, it's uh, not having Savali. But it's but I have such a strong foundation. Otherwise, I'm not obviously concerned. And then of course, mm-hmm. I got some bench guys I can stream here and there, and I'll make it work. But I think what I have. Again, having Garrett Cole and Hinjin Ryu and Marcus Stroman, I think there's a high floor there. Sonny Gray will make the floor higher when he returns, but we don't know how that back's going to do, how he's going to deal with that back all year. So, again, it's just, again, you mentioned it, very boring, very bland. I honestly, if I had to guess, I'm safe from being relegated, but I don't think <laughs> I'm ready to win with this team, which is really yeah. unfortunate because I obviously, I'm competitive. So, I'm going to give it my best shot. But anybody who can't look at it, you, you should be able to look at your team and be objective and be like, yeah, this team just doesn't have that it factor. But hopefully, you know, there's always a couple guys off the waiver wire. I, I think I'll be able – again, I, I feel confident in my waiver wire abilities more than my trading abilities because I just know I don't trade a lot. So mm-hmm. I think I should be able to get some stuff off the waiver wire. And I hope no one bothers you now, but like obviously I mentioned I already have a guy I'm targeting off the waiver wire this week that I think can be solid for my team uh, construction at, at the moment in terms of what I need. So we'll see if I get that person. And I'm not going to say the name because <laughs> people will probably be listening to this league. So – I'll, I'll tweet it out if somebody wants to know. I'll, I'll let them know after the uh, after waivers run, because I'm usually good. all about giving up. I'm usually all about giving out my secrets, but not when I'm literally putting in the claim like two days or three days from now. Like 
yeah no, this I gotta, will drop gotta, before then so. yes yeah. exactly that's my, that's yep. my point and like <laughs> yep. i don't know who's gonna be listening but i don't want to take a shot on missing out on the one uh, again it's one guy i'm targeting this week so. <laughs> yeah well you and mike rizzo are both falling for uh, josh bell and kyle schwarber bounce back so we'll we'll see how those go obp it makes a lot more sense to take those shots yep yeah i mean a lot of this is still just my Cubs fandom following Kyle Schwarber, but I think he'll be pretty solid this year. So, I'm, I've been a Schwarber guy since I was I was really in on him last year. I thought the growth for lefties was legit. He just struggled in the shortened season, but he hasn't been that great in spring. So I am starting to get a little concerned, but I'm not writing him off yet. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I've got a couple of shares. So, um, so we are also going to dive in a little bit into some of the minor league leagues that had some trades already happen um you major league guys have been pretty boring on the transaction front um there have been some ad drops um notably bobby witt jr um but some others as well uh some of these people might be cheating off your sheets that we'll get to actually in a bit Wittigreen, rojas Plato, those guys getting added um but on the trades, there's just two we're going to talk about. One at the AAA level, and we had Disilfani and Yastrzemski traded for Bader and Savali. It was an interesting trade for me. What did you think of that one? So it was Savali for Yaz, and who was the other one again? Savali and Bader for Yaz and Disilfani. I'm not counting uh, Bader as part of the trade. <laughs> That's why Fair I enough. love him out. Uh, I love Tony Disco. He's looked pretty good in spring, actually. And Yaz is super solid. I'd rather have Savali. I'm always – I just talk about how much I'm in on him. The change in arm action, the plus command. The guy has multiple pitches. The Indians like to throw their players deep into games. I'm very much in on Savali this year. I think there's a legitimate chance he could be better than Plesak mm. and definitely return more value given their ADP difference. But Savali's yeah. a guy I'm very much in on. So I want the Savali side here because I, I value Savali more than Yaz. And I don't think Tony Disco is much more than a throw-in, just like Bader is. And I love Tony Disco. But until we see Tony Disco stay healthy, I, I don't I don't think you could be confident in taking him back in return for giving up a, a sure, what I feel to be a sure thing in Savali. And as much as I love Yastrzemski, I think Yastrzemski is going to be a solid set him and forget him type of guy almost like a mitch tanniger just kind of like he's gonna sit there top of lineup and you're he's gonna, you're gonna get what you're gonna get and be happy with it type of thing but mm-hmm. i think there's a level to savale that we haven't seen yet whereas these other guys we know what to expect and, I, and i'd rather have savale and again bader i wouldn't even bother everything like he's <laughs> yeah. he'd be the guy that i'm cutting for, for anybody off the waiver wire including the guy that i put in a claim for so there's that yeah Bader's just not and honestly that guy might not be available but Bader's a guy that I'm honestly regardless like good for you if you believe in him I'm glad you got him lumped into this deal but I don't so that's why I'm not including him so the fact that I want your the fact that I want the Savali side without Bader included makes it that much better that you got Bader if you believe him in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. yeah looking at these teams it looks like trying to trade strengths weaknesses a little bit but Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so. not a bad trade. It's not like, oh my god, no, why this no. happened? It's just my yeah. my pre- and that's the thing. Like, I'm not here to tell someone how to how to value a player. I, I want to mm-hmm. make that very clear. But if it's a bad trade, I can tell you it's a bad trade. And this isn't terrible by any means. I do obviously prefer a side, but it's not like a wow, I can't believe this happened type of deal. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I play a lot more dynasty than I do redraft. So thinking about trades and redraft is always interesting because in dynasty you've got the often win now, win later component. And in redraft, you're all trying to win. So it's really just a needs balancing. Um, 
act. So another trade like that in the double A league, Hader for Grisham, straight up one for one. Perfect. That's honestly yep. like, hey, you need steals, you need some pop. I need saves. Let's just make it happen. I prefer Grisham. I because that's because Hader's number two or number three on my closer ranks. Depends on my day, how I feel that day. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm really because I really am big. Like Chapman's like one of those guys that feels very safe in the role. I feel like mm-hmm. Hader could return to the fireman role anytime because they have Devin Williams. So I I'm just hedging my bets knowing Chapman has the role, whereas Hader probably has the role too. But I don't know. I just feel and Hader gives up a ton of hard contact too. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little so like I said, it's any given day. I, I I'm it's one of those. It's like two A two B. Liam Hendricks being my number one closer, but I just I just have this thing for Grisham. The power and speeds there. The batting average could be iffy, but this is OBP. So he becomes a five category producer and is actually wow. Because again, I forgot the format. Um, being that it's OBP. <laughs> Being that's OBP, I definitely prefer Grisham. I think Grisham's arguably a top three or four round pick in OBP, whereas you're still getting them in the fifth because it's uh, based on the eight, probably. I know the ADP gets affected by the by the five by five, even though the score. If you sort by score, you probably would have saw Grisham higher. He mm-hmm. was definitely lower if you sorted by ADP, and yeah. I think Grisham was a great value in this format. Yeah. Well, the guy who got Hater now has your two A and two B because he also has Chapman, so he's got two closers, but they're both. I'm surprised. Definitely then. good guys. I'm surprised he did that. Then he should have just kept that because I think Grisham's gonna be legit. Like if he's a if he produces second round value in OBP, nobody should be surprised because he could legitimately put up 25 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and hit and have an OBP of like 350 plus. That is dang good in this format. And that's a guy. That's a guy in Grisham that you got in what round five, round six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much in on Trunk Grisham. And I the thing is, I wasn't in on Grisham at this time. He's one of those guys that grew on me as draft season went. And mm-hmm. he's probably a guy I would have taken uh, had I been in on him by the time we drafted. Because Grisham's a guy that I really started valuing a lot more. Even with the injury, I'm not scared. I think he's going to come back fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it, certainly, from this guy's perspective. His outfield is still very impressive. Um, for league this, like he's got, for an OBP, it's Grossman, Nemo, Yelich, Gallo, Benintendi. So it depends on how much you want to think Nintendo can do anything. But not bad for a 15-team, five outfield slots. So, okay. Well, let's pivot then to the other thing that has been occupying most of your time. Um, And if people do not know about it, it is an invaluable resource. You've been creating a lineup tracker. So you mentioned it a little bit earlier, teased it on. So I guess first just kind of explain what it is, how it came about, um, and then we can talk a little bit about using it. All right. Well, this has been my baby this offseason. Something I've definitely put everything into, and I keep doing more as people recommend stuff or as things pop into my head. And it started off initially with just like last year in 2020 where every at-bat mattered because it was – it was almost the most fantasy football like season for fantasy baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking, it was a sprint, not a marathon. We had a, we had to chase at bats. We had to figure out who's going to get them, how they're going to get them, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when I was like, I got to monitor lineups, man. I got to, you, if you could find who's hitting at the top of the lineup, that's going to be huge for your advantage. If you could identify trends, you might be able to find those guys. And cause I play in deeper leagues. So a lot of this was benefiting me in the deeper leagues. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, with that said, I was like, spring training has no coverage of lineups. In season, there's some great tools. Fangraphs has a tool for lineup tracking. Uh, Baseball Reference does it. That's what I use, actually, to look at lineups uh, like on a grand scheme because you can sort by a bunch of different things. But I'm hmm. like, I've never seen anything for spring training. And on top of that, put some notes out there as well that are going to allow for people to follow along with what I'm seeing, what's going on, and all that good stuff. So that's what I was like, like, let me do this. But then one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I'm putting in team sheets because Rob DiPietro asked, like, hey, what do you think about doing this? I'm like, that's a great idea because now you can go on every team, look up their every lineup for the whole season. And if you just control F, look for a player, you can see where they've been batting, what positions they've been playing, et cetera. It's a really good tool for that. I've, I've included uh, spring training stats for hitters and pitchers so you can kind of get them all in one place. You can sort them, but only by computer, not by phone, I've realized, or people have told me. So I recommend playing with this thing on a computer. You can sort spring training stats and spring training stats don't mean a ton, but they can be useful. Like say in a position battle, one, one position battle I pointed out yesterday was Trammell, Taylor Trammell against uh, Jake Fraley. It looks like there's a little something going on there. Mm, and there's also yeah. been word out of, you know, Mariners camp that Trammell can actually get uh, break camp with the team essentially. So I was like, let's look at the stats and the stats like Trammell has been outperforming uh, outperforming fairly by a ton. Well, maybe this suggests that he's slowly taking over the job. I don't know. And that's like one of the few times where I'm like, okay, spring training stats might matter. But stuff I look for in terms of stats are definitely things like strikeouts, walks. That stuff is hugely important, I think, because now remember last year, Christian Yelich was having a hard time walk uh, with, with strikeouts in spring, and that carried over into the regular season. Mm-hmm. Same thing with um, the same thing with. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Travis Shaw, I think, in 2019. He had this terrible, terrible time with uh, strikeouts. And that carried over and I think ruined his – he just never bounced back after that. Yeah. So stuff like that is like where – that's the, those are the type of stats that I look for in spring more than anything. But, yeah, so like I said, you have the option there to look up spring spring stats. I update them every morning. They've been updated through today, which, I, um, again, if you're listening today, it's three – it's the 19th. So they were they've been updated through the 18th, the games on the 18th. So every morning I update them from the day for the games before from the games from the day before. Um yeah, I mean, but like I said, most of its utilization comes with just monitoring who's leading off, who's not, and you can and not even just leading off, but who's batting where, who's playing where. You might get mm-hmm. an idea like Ty France, another mariner. I don't know what it is. I just love the mariners, I guess. <laughs> no, France is a guy who's been not only hitting top three most of the time, but he's also been playing second, third, and first. Like he played first only once, but he's at least played first which shows me that the Mariners really like him, really want to find a way for him to get on the field, but he's also going to be hitting every day more likely and batting third or batting top three, it seems like. It. But he's guaranteed at the top five spot. There's power there. There's potential for multi-position eligibility. A guy like that deserves your attention. And mm-hmm. that's what that's the type of stuff I'm looking for in the spring training chart, um, along with, like, like I said, other trends, like stuff like Mankata was, has been batting cleanup for, like, what, a week or a week and a half worth of games already? And then yep, you come yep. to find, you, and then you find out you, you read some quotes from Larusa, and Larusa's like, "Yeah, he likes Makata's bat because he's a lefty, right in the middle of the lineup. So batting fourth is a very realistic possibility. So stuff like that. Sometimes the trends correlate with the quotes. Sometimes they don't. But it's nice to at least have these trends in place 
And if it happens and you had a, you had a head start on seeing this, whereas most people might, might have thought, oh, Mankata hit six a lot last year or he hit second. But this year, like obviously that was last year. So maybe you have this mindset of where he might hit, but then this gives you a true um, idea of where he's actually going to end up in the lineup, which gives you a better idea of how to draft him. Do you draft Moncada with stone bases batting second? Probably a little more than the stone bases he might get batting fourth. You need to adjust the fact that he might have less runs now or similar runs, but more RBI opportunities because he's going to be hitting in the heart of that lineup. So stuff like that matters, I think, entering the season. Now, obviously, as the season goes on, things will change. And I'm going to be doing a weekly article, not this daily thing, because, again, there's other tools for daily lineups, but a weekly article highlighting the moves up and down lineups and all that stuff. So it's going to be a very in-depth article anyway, keeping up with the stuff, just kind of owning it all through the year. Um, I, I know I rambled on it, but I truly believe it's a, a really valuable tool. I really enjoy doing it. It is a, a labor of love, <laughs> to say the least. I don't know what that laugh was that just came out of me, <laughs> but uh, that that's definitely a labor of love and it's definitely uh, interesting. It's it's just it's, again it's something I, I can ramble on because I really believe in its in its uh, value value. Can't, I really can't talk, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it, it is though. I mean, it, I've used it a ton thinking of drafts of. I mean, even doing TGFBI, Raslam just wrapped up. Um, but like looking through those of, okay, is this guy going to get playing time? Where is he hitting? Uh, I've used it talking with my brother-in-law as a White Sox fan and he doesn't really do fantasy, but we've been talking about their lineup construction. I've been like, it's like, what do you think? Who's going to hit second? And I was like, I'm just going to pull up Mike sheet and kind of take a look at what's been happening (laughs) as we talk about this. And apparently it's Adam Eaton for some Tony well, Lewis, a godforsaken okay. reason, but I'm gonna argue. I gotta argue that because so Zimmerman tweeted that, right? I was like, okay, I can see that, and then I read the article, and it does say that in the article, but it also goes on to say Grandall, and he even said it in like a convert. Like on, on someone commented because this is what's great about this stuff. People now come to me and like at me or tell me, hey, this was said on broadcast. Hey, this is in this article, mm-hmm. and it's not. Eaton might be playing batting second, but it sounds like it could be a revolving door. Grandall was talked up as. Grandall actually himself has said he wants to bat second or legs batting second. Lewis has said he's okay with that or in for that. He said Mikata can move up to second. He said he said Robert, Robert bats well. He can move up. So I think it's not necessarily just one person's role in the two spot, which is interesting because if he's if if Grandall doesn't bat second, what Grandall is going to bat sixth all of a sudden? Robert bats seventh. I think that's tough to take a guy with such on base skills like a Grandall and put him that low in the lineup. Does it mm-hmm. does it bump everybody down one? There's a lot of stuff that really needs to be answered then if Eaton's batting second over a Grandall. Yep. And does Eaton just fill in the blanks when Grandall is out because Grandall's not going to play every day as the catcher? And then when Vaughn's up, the DH spot seems pretty much taken over by Vaughn. So I think there's a lot to be answered still. I think to assume it's Eaton is a little premature. I think it's going to be a good mix of them. And we've yet to even see Eaton bat second when we have all the big names in the lineup, really. I think we might, maybe we saw it once. My point is, though, is we've seen all the trends suggest it's Grandall over Eaton. However, Luis Luis has said he likes Eaton's skill set there, but again, it's it's about now. There, is that coach speak or is there something to that? I don't know. Like I said, I, I and I'm not saying Zimmerman's wrong. I don't want to come off that way by any means. But yeah. I just read there was more to what was being said in that article that I have a hard time just buying into some of that stuff. That's all. It's really bothering me. Well, and the <laughs> DH, the whole DH conversation with the Sox is really interesting because, like, arguably Eloy should just be DHing but it sounds like they want to keep him in left. But once Vaughn comes up, he's that. And now there's rumbles about an extension. Because I mean, you mentioned on your last show, you weren't sure if Vaughn's going to break camp. If they extend him, White Sox history suggests he's breaking camp. 
Oh, 100% um, sure. But even right. if he doesn't break camp, I, I, people take that, like, you have to remember, and even I've been guilty of it. So I remind myself and everybody as often as possible. Just because he's not breaking camp doesn't mean he won't be up soon. You can still draft him the same way you're drafting him. And this is Andrew Vaughn I'm talking about. Yep. You can still draft yep. Andrew Vaughn the same exact way, knowing he'll be up no later than, what, three weeks maybe? And three weeks right. or even a month over a six-month period is still easy to hold on to, and you can make it through that. You know, it's not life, mm-hmm. it's not life or death type of thing. You, you'll be able to get through that, no problem. Assuming you draft – you just have to draft for that. Like, if you take a Vaughn, you obviously need to pair him with somebody who has production floor in the meantime. Because replacement, yep. the replacement value should make up for the lost time. Regardless, though, I just like, yeah, he might not break camp. Doesn't mean you should really value him any differently. I just want people to understand that there's a chance that Vaughn maybe doesn't play the first three weeks. So you need to be more so be prepared for that than expect it and being there type of thing. Right. Have a backup first baseman, corner infielder. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think other prospects like that. I mean, Chris Bryan had that. He was up mm-hmm. two weeks into the season. Okay. And, and, you missed two weeks of production. Right. Like, yeah, if you drafted him where he was going, I'm not, I have to go look up his ADP that year, but you got a return on investment. So now yeah, for it's sure. not fair to, it's not fair to always assume that every rookie is going to be that good. Right. Like, unfortunately, I, I wish it was that. I wish that was the case. Cause obviously it'd be way better for baseball, but I think because of the Chris Bryant's of the world, because of the Ronald Acuna's, that's why you haven't seen like a dip in ADP for rookies anymore. Like you see like guys like what Vlad haven't gone below the fifth round yet since they've been mm-hmm. since they were expected to be up you've seen guys like what machete oh Bichette wasn't expected to be up i don't think i'm trying to remember who else um robert i think was a pretty early pick last year if i remember correctly yep so it's like or you're not you're like even where clinic's going this year or um, clinic's going in that weird spot where it's kind of acuna ish but the problem is is he's not that acuna projected superstar i think clinic could be very t- toolsy and solid player but it's <sighs> I don't know if I see that level of production from Kelnick. So mm. I'm kind of like, I like his price. Actually, I'm good, good at his price, but to expect a Cunha return isn't fair for him because I think although Kelnick can be very solid, it's just, it's, you're still talking about a rookie here. You know, there's going to be growing right. pains. And expect but see, he's getting the value of a top three pick out of, he's the guy. Yeah. Kelnick's Kelnick's the guy that comes with, I think, I, I think he's the guy this year that I'm surprised he's not getting pushed more up draft boards. But mm-hmm. he's the guy that I think can be the highest impact rookie, and you're still getting him at such a solid. I think what's still a solid uh, price for him in drafts. Yeah, I do wonder how much all the comments and stuff around the Mariners have impacted his draft value. Um, and then the injury value, and that right, the injury certainly knocked it down. But even before that, the comments from yeah, the, the perceived value. How would that be? Um, yeah. So with the lineups, were there any other, are there any sort of big takeaways? I mean, you talk about this on your pod, people should definitely go listen to Bases Loaded. So don't need you to recap everything, but oh, what I don't are mind. I'll recap things a few. you've taken away? Yeah. Well, the most obvious one, I won't spend much time on it because if you're on Twitter, you probably heard everybody ranting about this one, but Kevin <laughs> Vigio looks like he's going to be batting seventh roughly in the mm-hmm. lineup. So that's huge. That, that's really a lot. That's a big hit for a guy who I think is more of a compiler because he's a guy that depends on those play appearances, the, the on-base ability to really, I mean, he has, he has good, he's a good stolen base guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's, un, he's uh, in his career in his major league career. He has yet to be caught stealing 20 for 20. That's an awesome wow. stat. It's a fun stat. Yeah. Fun little stat there, but 
he, that's, you know, that's not going to play as well when you're not having as many opportunities to exploit the base paths, batting seventh. So he'll still be solid. He's still going to be a good player, just not top 50, top 60 player that he's been drafted to be. And then you have Enrique Hernandez, who looks to be in the driver's seat for leading off. He's leading off again today. Like the guy has just been leading off all spring. And we're seeing him lead off in lineups that matter, in lineups that have Martinez, Bogarts, and Devers in them, and Verdugo, like the, the big names. That those are the two through five hitters where Enrique Hernandez is leading off still. Cora has been quoted as saying that they, he really loves Hernandez, the idea of him leading off, giving him a chance to hunt fastballs, which is like great. That's awesome. But that's like, it's weird because like, nobody wants to believe it. Like I've had like a lot of, I get a lot of pushback from buddies like behind the scenes. I'm like, look, man, you can give me all the crap you want, but Hernandez is, looks like he's going to be leading off until he's not type of thing. And then that also goes same team, Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can be terrible for batting average, but he's going to be batting sixth, I think, in this lineup. And batting sixth, again, behind those names, Verdugo, Martinez, Xander, and, and Devers. Like, yeah, there's a lot of home runs that are going to be hit between those those guys, but there's going to be a lot of on base, like a lot of times are on base as well. And Renfro, we know the power potential there, especially in that ballpark. Yep. So I really, I really like Hunter Renfro late. I've been, I've been getting him more and more lately. Yeah, I lately love as this. I see him. Yep. Especially as you see him falling in these drafts, considering his, his um, because we're, we're being trained as a whole, as an industry, to get speed first, fall back on power. But then what that does is sometimes you overemphasize speed and you lose out on the power potential. So then a guy like Renfro makes up for that in a big way because he's a guy who could hit 40. Realistically, mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect more than 25 to 30, given like he could lose some playing time here and there, especially when Duran comes up and Jeter Downs comes up and they cause they wreak havoc on the playing time situations. But until then, I think he's going to be playing every day. I think he's going to provide a chance for, you know, like I said, upwards of 30 home runs. Mm-hmm. Might hit 230 in the process, though, so you have to build for that. But where you're getting them, you should have a foundation in place. Yep. So that's another one. Aaron Hicks batting third is another one. That's been well-documented by the Yankees, by Aaron Boone. Um, I'm just I'm scrolling through my own sheet right now, just <laughs> looking for names that they're out there. Yeah. The Twins lineup, if you go take a look at the Twins lineup, that one you can get a good idea of. Um, yeah. It looks like a rise. We were, we were talking yesterday, too, with the Cubs. It looks like maybe Contreras is second. Is Javi six? Because that's where he he's can been, speed. Man. He can steal, but is he gonna hitting there? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, below him is pretty one. weak, so there's not a whole lot of risk of sending him. But right, what's gonna happen? Um, if you had asked me as a Cubs fan, based off what Ross did last year, I would have said Javi's hitting four or five at the lowest. Six yeah, is interesting. Six is uh unfortunate you know because again talking about compiler Baez offers a skill set better than a compiler but the, mm-hmm. the more bats you get a guy like him with such volatility in his place and his uh skill set that's important i think so you're losing some of that uh you're losing some of those plate appearances which overall hurts hobby Baez's potential for production because that's maybe one less at bat here and there but that adds up to less at bats period whereas you know and what's and the reason why it's believable is not only have they shown us that potential throughout the spring but they've also been, and they, as in the Cubs, have been very vocal about prioritizing getting on base, prioritizing mm-hmm. their on-base guys at, at the top. And Jock is a solid OBP guy. That's why he let off for the Dodgers all those years. Um, and, so they, and they added him this offseason. And then you have all these yep. other guys ahead of him, Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Ian Happ, who they've been very vocal about in terms of leading off. Yeah, you have all these guys there. really good. <laughs> you have all these guys being really good in terms of getting on base. And then you have Javi Baez, who isn't. He's too mm-hmm. much of a free swinger. I, I don't think they're going to take that away from him. But what that does is that pushes Baez down because they want to emphasize the on-base guys first, it sounds like. And the Cubs lineup as a whole has been killing it this spring. Yeah, and I'm hoping that that 
holds as a fan. But I mean, I thought a lot of their values anyways were going to be good going into this year because people just kept pushing them down after a lot of, as someone who watched every game, looked kind of like fluky struggles a lot last year. The other thing I don't like about Hobby there, though, is that means he's hitting in front of probably Hayward. And so it means pitchers don't need to challenge him. So they can throw all the crap out of the zone. And if he's going to chase it, they don't really have to worry about putting him on base, um, which is a little worrisome for me. Um, but I also trust him enough-ish. So, <laughs> but we'll see. That was a ringing endorsement. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, any other uh, big ones that you noticed? I, I'll, I'll throw out one more name. And it's just because I th- think he's somebody who's still going deep enough in drafts to be somewhat of a value is Mark Canna, Canna, Mark Canna, I'll say Canna. Mark Canna, he's a guy that he's been already talked up as potentially leading off. And they've been kind of showing their willingness to lead him off. He's been leading off a lot more frequently lately. And Canna's a guy that he's also been running in spring. Like he ran in spring a little bit already. One, one or two small bases, mm-hmm. I believe. So there's a chance for some sneaky stone bases there. There's a chance for him. And he his, his on-base skills are good enough that sticking at the top of that lineup, the A's are always feisty, like feisty little like a team, like a fighting team, like that just do the, yeah. they just do work. Can I get some base for Matt Olson and Matt Chapman? He's gonna score a lot of runs. He's gonna yep. steal some bases. It's really solid value or perceived value. I like how you corrected that earlier because that's a good that's a good way to put it. Cause we don't know who the values are yet until the season plays out, but perceived value suggests that. It's like the idea of value, the the route to, the route to value is there. And Mark mm-hmm. Canna offers that as a leadoff hitter for the Oakland A's. So he's a guy I definitely want to highlight because he's definitely been kind of swept under the rug because he's boring. And Mitch Hanniger, I lied, there's one more. Mitch Hanniger and Dylan Moore. <laughs> they, they look like, because they look like they've been kind of flip-flopped with J.P. Crawford. Crawford's really struggled this spring. And although Crawford can earn his way back up to the top of that lineup, it could be Hanniger and Moore at the top of that lineup now for the, for the Mariners. And again, just chasing at bats. And Dylan Moore's a guy that, we know the power and speed combination is there. You're going to give him more at bats at the top of the lineup. We could see more production. Mm-hmm. And and Hanniger is healthy. And a healthy Hanniger is a good fantasy player. And he's yep. another guy that's going like in that Mark Canner range where it's just like, oh, it's Mitch Hanniger. You're damn right it's Mitch Hanniger. Draft him. Um, yep. yeah. People forget how good he was, you know? And so Mitch Hanniger and Mark Canna, boring names, but two guys that should definitely be put into like your queue in that area, especially if you wait on outfield, which a lot of teams do in deeper formats. Outfield kind of gets push push down a little bit these are guys mm-hmm. that you can grab in the middle of your drafts and mark canna and hanniger to really make up some of that ground and outfield yeah and and something you had mentioned earlier with you know speed getting pushed up in drafts and people being like well i can grab power later something i see a lot of people not adjusting for is a lot of that late power comes with a really bad batting average so not that some of these guys are like 280 hitters but they also aren't 220 hitters. So you get the Hanniger and it's like, oh, okay, 245, 250 doesn't kill you on average while he still gives you mid-20 homers. And, and we've seen him hit better than that too. We've seen him right, hit like right. That's the floor. Plus. Right, yeah. 2018, he hit 285. 2017, he hit 282. And then I think, that, and in 2019, yeah. he started selling out for power and got, and then he had the terrible injury. That's mm-hmm. I, I noticed. I was looking at him because I, I had looked at him for the draft kit. I was like, wow. What happened to that? What happened to that batting average? And I think he started selling out for power because the launch angle really took really increased, which increased mm-hmm. some of the swing and miss in his game, which again makes sense yep. why the batting average dropped. But then of course yeah. the the injury also happened. And but now he seems like he's finally gotten right, man. And I'm yeah. I'm really willing to give Hanger a shot. Plus, 
he's likely to get traded to a contender anyway, which won't <laughs> hurt his – well, it's not going to hurt his uh, playing time situation. He's probably going to get – when Hanager gets traded, probably to go start somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that's like one of those things, like when you think about guys on bad teams that can get traded, you want to think, well, where can they land? Like Jonathan yeah. VR last year is a great example of a guy that you were drafting him knowing that there was a good chance in the second half he was not going to be starting, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So Hanniger, on the other hand, is a, guy, is a guy that I expect the skill set to play up that no matter where he goes, he's going to be starting for him. Right. And if the Mariners want to clear out that outfield, which they've got plenty of talent coming there. They need to. Right. And I mean, and he's, he's still got another year of arbitration, so they could get a pretty solid return for, you know, a player who's making three mil this year and maybe six next year. Yeah. Right. In his final year of arbitration. So that's, that's a valuable trade piece. Yeah. Or team is in the rebuild. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're rebuilding the team that is trying to stay cheap and contend, which is like all of the contenders except (laughs) for the Dodgers would be great so yeah okay sweet uh let's pivot to some michael Simeone uh listener questions <laughs> michael wants to know because michael is so helpful for podcasts why do you hate babies i and then i was like i don't understand why he asked because me and mike actually go back a long time now like before his streamer kind of had like 200 followers is how long ago i knew mike just to give you an idea like he's, mm-hmm. he's the big name he is now but before he before he was like me and him kind of started around the same time kind of came up together he his first ever podcast was actually on bases loaded he was a co-host oh, nice. before he before he left yeah he was a co-host of mine and he left me because he's and he and he, then he goes and throws out these wild accusations like look i did all this for you mike look what i did for you, and you but then he followed that up with Something about hating puppies, and I told him that he just took it too far. But um, wow. yeah, it's yeah. just I think it's all I think it's all just in good fun. Honestly, I have no idea why you <laughs> asked, but it's it has to be in good fun knowing Mike. Definitely the questions I was looking for when I put out the tweet of, oh, of course Any questions for Mike. Yeah, yeah. Wait, well, yeah, why does he hate babies? Yeah, because you know, again, and I have three kids, so what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Mike has Michael has any, so should ask no. him that. So why do you yeah. hate babies, Mike? Yeah, come on, Mike. <laughs> uh other Mike. Um okay, yeah. So before I let you go, anything that you wanna plug? Um obviously people should go check out the spreadsheet, um the draft kit. That was the SP streamer draft kit, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so go check that out. It's a great draft tool if you still have drafts going on. Um what section did you do in that one? Every every single hitter. You did the headers. Oh, oh wow. Every okay. single header. Uh, every so, single like, header. I worked and, through the thing. I just didn't know whose analysis was where. Yeah, I did okay. every single header and how to break down a header. I tried to keep that pretty simple so people could follow along with part of my process because hitting is like the hitting side of things is what I've really focused on the last couple of years because mm-hmm. there's some really great pitching analysis out there and there's great hitting analysis, but I felt like it was easier to kind of stand out as a, a an analysis when it came to hitters than pitchers. So I kind of went that direction because again there's just such good information out there with pitching already and um i mean how do you how do you compare with a Simeone, a, a fast a, a nina you know what i mean like not that you shouldn't try to not, not that you should really worry about that but it's right. just like if that's there already let, let's like you could do your own thing but like I'll, I'll, I'll listen to those guys and do my i still do my own thing with pitchers but regardless it's um so i wanted to try to stand out with where where there's not a lot of love given and hitters was that for me so that's why there's an emphasis on hitting analysis on my end Great. And for listeners, if you want to go check that out, um, SB Streamer, it's a great draft tool all around. 
Uh, anything else you want to mention you're working on before I let you go? Um, like I said, just the, uh, the lineup chart, which we talked about at length today. So I appreciate that opportunity. Just uh, be on the lookout because there's a weekly article. Like if, Cause it's a little overwhelming, this chart. I get it. I put out a weekly article highlighting a lot of the major stuff and I include stats and uh, actual manager quotes. I find in articles and all that stuff, tweets from beat writers, et cetera. So I really put like a lot of information and effort into those weekly articles. So once spring training's over, I'm still going to do those every week, which will still have value for fantasy. So those I'd say, look out for those. And of, of course you can just follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland at the bases loaded podcast. And yeah, I'm just staying busy, man. Appreciate you having me on though. Yeah. It was good to have you. Um, so yeah, everyone go check out all the great work that Mike is churning out there and putting in a lot of hard work and um, yeah, take a look at that chart. It is invaluable, whether you're doing dynasty, fantasy, daily redraft, or just looking at it for baseball's sake. So go take that, uh, take that out for a spin. So thanks again, Mike. Oh, thank you again, man, for having me. Thank you for listening to the commissioner's office. Before we wrap it up, some final housekeeping. We are currently filling up a 14-team head-to-head dynasty, our first AL-only keeper league, a 12-teamer, and an auction redraft league that will draft at the end of the month. Let me know if you're interested and we can get them full and get in a final league before the season starts. You can now go and get commissioner's office, dynasty one-stop, and items for every D1S league at the store on my website that's linked in the show notes. Don't forget to follow Mike at Mike underscore Curland and check out his lineup tracker and the SP streamer draft kit and all the other great work he's doing. You can follow me at Dynasty One Stop and see everything fantasy commission related there. And as always, can email or DM me any questions about leagues or anything else fantasy baseball. We'll be back soon with Triple Plays D-Mendy. Finally, please remember to rate and review the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. You can support the podcast through the link in our show notes. That's all from the commissioner's office. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and always, as Mike knows, read the Constitution.